Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Beyond the Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Fabuda. We're joined today by our usual co-host, Alex Boudreaux. And today we have a very special guest, someone who's a pretty big inspiration to me, and I know a lot of other people out there. I'm sure you're familiar with him. He's the co-founder of Sports One Marketing. Our guest today will be David Meltzer. He also formerly served as the CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency. That agency was actually loosely based off, or loosely based as an inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. His life's mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. As part of that mission for the past 20 years, he's uh, been providing free weekly trainings to empower others to empower others to be happy. And, um, you know, Alex and I have checked out a few of his free weekly trainings on Fridays. Um, and, you know, they're, they're really great stuff. And as you can see, and you'll see in this episode, you know, David does a really great job of kind of helping you and, and, and helping. He really is just a genuine guy who just wants to help everyone. And, uh, you know, he answers a lot of our questions and kind of gives, you know, some free knowledge. And, you know, if, if you like what you hear in this episode, I definitely highly recommend going to check out one of those free trainings. And um, on top of that, he's a three-time international bestseller, a top 100 business coach, the executive producer for the number one digital um, business show, he hosts his own podcast entitled The Playbook Podcast, where he interviews QAs, has some fireside chats, keynotes, and exclusive conversations with uh, other CEOs, sports executives, and uh, successful entrepreneurs. He's also a best-selling author, and Forbes has ranked him as one of the top 10 keynote speakers. So uh, we're really excited for this episode. David kind of takes us through his whole career um, to the point where he was a millionaire in his late 20s and uh, actually went bankrupt and lost it all and how he ended up back on his feet. And I mean, his story is incredible. And, you know, he gives us a lot of really good content and some really inspirational stuff. So I'm excited for you guys to uh, give it a listen. And like I said, I can't stress enough, his free trainings um, every Friday he's been doing it for the last 20 years is awesome and i highly recommend if you have some free time go and drop it and give it a listen one day because it, it's great yeah you know excited for this episode uh let us know what you guys think bruce take it away ladies and gentlemen it's time recording out of new york city new york welcome to the undisputed greatest podcast in the world beyond the brand all right i love that background that's so cool <laughs> right on what does that's that say cool. what does that say right, right behind you money doesn't exist doesn't my happiness love that yeah, I actually took a picture of my studio before we they kicked this out, and uh, I use it as my backdrop. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Cool. How are you doing today? I'm awesome. Thank you guys for doing this. Yeah, thank you for coming on, man. Um, kind of take us a little bit through your upbringing, um, and then how you ended up, you know, being with uh, Steinberg Sports, and then getting into the sports world and starting your own company. Sure. Well, you know, my journey as a kid started with that sign behind me because I thought money bought happiness and love. And the reason I thought it did is I was super happy, except for I was broke. I had a single mom, six kids, worked two jobs, packed my dinner in a paper bag. And all I wanted to do was be rich because only time I wasn't happy was when there's financial stress. You know, the country squire station wagon would break, the refrigerator, the air conditioning, college, all those stresses for my poor mom. That's the only time I'd see her crying. Otherwise, I was born with a happy gene. I was, 
outside playing till the streetlight came on and really enjoying my life and the pursuit of my potential as a professional football player. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be that because my siblings and my family are completely athletically challenged. So I figured the only way I could stand out, I wasn't going to impress anybody in my family by going to Harvard and graduating summa cum laude. That had been done multiple times, including in my own family. So if I could just be a professional athlete, then I'd be the only one. So that's where the journey started with sports and my journey with money. Uh, graduating law school, I, uh, I ended up not playing professional football. I did make it to college, got ran over by Christian Okoye my first year. Uh, <laughs> I joke around, I swear to God, you guys don't want to see it, but I'm the first person ever to get the Nigerian Nightmares autograph. Got a size 13, size 13 autograph right there when he stepped on me. I'm lying on the field saying my mom's favorite saying, doctor, lawyer, or failure. <laughs> so after I found out doctors had to be in hospitals, I went to law school. I actually was very driven by money. So uh, I always kept my option open. Like, how could I make more money? I went to the law school I went to because they paid the most money out of law school to be an oil and gas litigator. So I ended up getting a job offer in the internet too. So oil and gas litigator or selling legal research in 1992 on the internet. My mom tells me, man, internet's a fad. Don't do it, Dave. You're going to lose all your, your money. Why'd you waste your time going to law school? You got to take the bar. And I almost didn't become a, a sales guy in the internet. I almost became a real lawyer. So I tell people, especially in sports, you know, just because somebody loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. Go ahead, take their advice, hold on to it if you like it, but vote for what you want. It's the most critical lesson of my life. Vote for what you want in your life. It will be elected or you'll angle towards something. So Obviously, I couldn't be a professional football player, but I wanted to angle towards sports. Um, and so even though I was a millionaire nine months out of law school, reaffirming money buys love and happiness, uh, we sold for $3.4 billion in 1995. I went to the Silicon Valley, learned how to raise money. But I used my money like for advertising, sponsorship, hospitality, hiring appearances, speaking engagements. All throughout my successful career, I was around sports. Right? I'd use it as my backdrop to do business development, whatever it would take. If I was going to hire anybody, it was going to be an athlete. And I'd build those relationships, which is really a smart thing because I ended up being the CEO of the world's first smartphone for Samsung, Silicon Valley you know, kid. And then uh, I meet Lee Steinberg. And uh, within 48 hours, because of the skills that I had, you know, negotiations, law degree, contracts, communicative skills, business savvy, uh, you know, all the investment side. Lee was very interested in all that because of my knowledge of sports, not just playing sports, which is one thing, you know, I could speak and talk to talk. But more importantly, I've been a customer of Lee's, you know, let alone everybody else. I knew exactly the other side of the business. And so that's why he hired me to take Jeff Morad's job at Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. I knew so little, though, about like what Lee did, you know, all the movies like Jerry Maguire and a given Sunday for the love of the game. I ended up, you know, the first time there because, you know, what I later found out, the skill that he really liked about me is I knew how to raise money. And so that those relationships with athletes that want to do business and all the things he wanted to do. My greatest superpower wasn't that I was some great uh, negotiator, was that I had raised a lot of money in my career and that interest him, uh, which was interesting because, you know, for me, you literally never know how that backdrop of sports is going to work. And money itself became truly my superpower. Um, unfortunately, 
I was surrounding myself with the wrong people, the wrong ideas, buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like. And I actually, in 2008, ended up losing everything. Thought I was going to lose my job too, uh, but to no surprise because Lee, Lee Steinberg, who he is, and Warren Moon, who ended up being my business partner a couple of years later, they really didn't care. They, they knew that I would make it back, but even learn bigger lessons that could help more people. And so obviously, I mean, that was the point when you realized that money doesn't buy happiness. You know, what's interesting. I, I'm a weirdo that I'm, I bottomed out two years before I lost everything. And if you guys got a, a minute, I'll tell you a quick story okay. because I think it's relevant. There's three warning signs that I got in order to figure out money doesn't buy happiness, right? I moved from that world to just enough to more than enough. Three things happened to teach me not to buy things I don't need. Uh, money's important to me, by the way. Everybody, money allows me to buy. And if I shop for the right, gives me options of what to buy. But if I shop for the right things, I'm going to be happy. If you shop for the wrong things, you won't be. But money's important. My motto is make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. That's how I'm going to empower over a billion people in my life. But here's what happened. When I was 30, multimillionaire, married my rich, my, my dream girl from fourth grade uh, that I met her and she hated me all, almost all throughout everything because I threw an egg at her. Uh, <laughs> but Here's the funny thing. We might have, we might have yeah. to get your advice on the ladies too now. You definitely need my advice for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I got three daughters and a wife of 23 years. I know what I'm talking about now. Okay. But you did not want to talk to me then. <laughs> uh, but at 30, everything by the time I was 30 reinforced money about love and happiness. I married my dream girl. She hated me when I was little. It must be the money. You know, everything was money. At 30, my dad, who left when I was five, superhero till I was 10. He forgot my birthday at 10, lied to me, said he didn't forget it, that he doesn't believe in birthdays, even though he's like celebrating his own, his, his hot new wife, his, you know, my siblings. He's like sitting there going, I didn't forget your birthday. I don't believe in him. Like I hated him. So for 20 years, the guy doesn't celebrate my birthday. I hate him. He gives me a birthday present. He gives me this beautiful sport coat. I put it on and I'm in tears because I think, like everyone, I want to have a relationship with my dad. I want to, I thought, you know, he learned his lesson, he forgiveness, whatever. I opened it up. He tore all the pockets out of the jacket, all the lining. I call him. I'm so pissed. I was like, dude, why are you torturing me? After 20 years, I get a birthday present I can't use. He goes, it's not for wearing. I said, what's it for? He said, it's to remind you of me. I'm like, what, that you're an a-hole? He goes, no, it's to remind you you're just like me. Money doesn't buy happiness, Dave. And I'm afraid that you're gonna end up just like me. You're gonna end up the richest man in the cemetery. You can't take anything with you when you're gone. Go hang the jacket in the closet to remind you every day you can't take anything with you. Please, you're just like me. I'm nothing like you. You're a liar, a cheater, manipulator, overseller. I hate you, I hung up. So now we are, you know, that's when I'm 30. Now in 2006, two years before I lose everything, I go golfing with my best friend from the fourth grade. He's actually the guy who had sixth grade camp. He, uh, for, my, for me, he asked my wife to go steady with me at sixth grade camp. She embarrassed me. It's good way, man. Yeah, she's like, no, tell him to ask me himself. So he yells out in front of everyone at sixth grade camp, dude, she said no. So I, <laughs> I threw an egg at her. I threw an egg at her, and that was the, the long journey. And so I'm still paying for that egg, by the way. Um, anyway, I, I, this is like my soulmate brother, right, Rob. I take him golfing. 
I said, dude, we're going to go to the Masters with Chris Carter, see Curtis Strange in the cabins. We're going to go uh, even see Tiger. Probably can't hang out with him, but we'll get to see him. You know, Shannon Sharp's coming. I started listing out all these guys. I'm all, you got to come to the Masters. It's the best ever. He said, dude, I don't want to hang out with you or your friends. I was like, what are you talking about? It's the Masters. It's, he goes, I don't like what you guys do. And I was like so taken back. I'm like, well, I'm not doing what they're doing. Why don't you just come with me, Dave? You can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. I left there crushed, and I'll tell you why. He's the first person to tell me the truth. My dad, my dad told me the truth, but he's my dad. Mm-hmm. This was my best friend. I, there's a book written, you know, don't take yes for an answer. And athletes have this problem, entertainers, billionaires. I learned a valuable lesson. I'd been taking yes for an answer from all my family because I bought houses and cars and down payments and paid for dinners and all my friends because I took them in the stretch limos and private airplanes and killer events. Nobody told me no. And worse, nobody told me the truth that, you know, I literally was on a bad path. My life changed though, as you said, two weeks later, I went to the Grammy Awards uh, with Little John, the rapper. Mm-hmm. and I lied to my wife, told her I had a business meeting because she told me, you've been partying way too much. You're not taking care of your three daughters. They're under eight. You're a terrible father. Come on, you got to stay home. So I said, no, no, business meeting. I changed clothes in the car, went to the Grammys Awards, got wasted, came home at 5.30 in the morning, and there, my wife's five feet, you know, at that time, maybe 95 pounds. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, you know, 5.30, I see the silhouette. I walk in which is, you know, a weekly at least occurrence at that time in my life. And I'm like, hey, babe. And she was crying. I was like, whoa, what's the matter? She's like, I'm leaving. I'm like, what? whoa, 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 what do you mean? She's like, well, I'm not happy. Well, wh- what do you mean you're not happy? Who the hell do you think you're talking to you're not happy? Look around you. Do you see the cars, the boat, the motorhome? Do you see this house, the nanny? And the- you don't even, wh- how are you not happy? What are you talking about? I'm not happy and you better take stock in who you are and what you want to become because not only am I leaving, but you're going to end up dead. And I was like, F you, you're not appreciative. You know, I was so mad. I go to bed, I wake up in the morning, even matter. And I literally am thinking, all right, money buys happiness. I'm going to take all our money. I'm going to take all the money. I'll try to take the kids. I'm so pissed. I'm so offended. I'm so guilty. (laughs) But I look over and my life changed. I looked over and in the closet, there's that goddamn jacket. I can't say the story without choking up because it meant that much because I was so lost. And it was like, how does my life all come together? My dad when I'm 30, my best friend two weeks earlier, and now this, and then there's this jacket telling me one thing, you're just like your father. You're a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, an overseller and a back-end seller. You don't hate your father, you hate yourself. You have everything in the world. Kids dream about having your job. People dream about living your life. You have every single thing everyone wants. You're Midas and you don't appreciate it. That's when I stopped, took inventory, like my wife said, of my own values. And I started living with gratitude. I started living with accountability, forgiveness, and an inspired life. Not a motivated life that wore out and sucked my soul drive energy, but an inspired life where everything now, when I was little, I lived in a world of not enough. Everything happened to me. I was a victim. I was jealous of everyone. I moved to this world of just enough where everything was for me, buying things I don't need to impress people I didn't even like. I finally realized that I was going to live my life through me. 
everything, instead of giving so I could get everything in negotiation or a trade, I wasn't going to negotiate or trade for anything anymore. I was simply going to receive everything that I could to pass it through me with appreciation, gratitude, and adding value, my own value, and giving it away. My whole life was going to give away to other people. And I went on a journey to empower over a billion people to be happy. Two years later, I lost everything. I was well prepared. I wasn't worried. I knew that I could turn this around. I just created too many void shortages and obstacles, over leveraged myself, didn't ask for help. I had lessons learned. The biggest lesson I learned is pain is just an indicator. Mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial pain is an indicator that you have a lesson to learn. It's a turn signal in your life that says, hey, dummy, change direction. There's a better way to go, a better situation for you, or a way to make your situation better. Remember, pain is just an indicator. Uh, so was there, was, was that obviously the turning point for you where you wanted, you made that goal, I want to help a million people. Was that, was that that turning point for you? You realized at that point in your life? I wanted to, to help others. So it started, I didn't have that number yet. And, and that number didn't really occur until I've been doing trainings for 20 years mm -hmm. until the last three and a half years when instead of building everyone else's brands, big companies, big sporting events, big athletes, I started to build my own brand. And I realized, wow, if I could empower a thousand people like you two and you guys in your life could empower a thousand people to power another thousand, a thousand times a thousand was a million a million times a thousand was a billion because of the platform that I built, the brand that I was able to build for myself, I could empower over a billion people in my lifetime. Realistically, you know, most people don't deny that I can do it now. I can change the world's collective consciousness with a billion people, teaching yeah. them how to be happy with pragmatic tools, a toolkit to happiness. Yeah. So you lost all that money then, what were the steps? you took to gain that all back? And where do you get that motivation? Great question, by the way. Very few people, I'm so surprised they don't ask that. So I changed my life from my why to my what. And so I realized through my own experience in dummy tax that the way that we get things that we want is to take inventory of our values and figure out what we want. And then the fastest way to get it is to go find people that have it and either ask them for it or ask them to teach you how to get it themselves. And so I utilize that philosophy. Yes, I was blessed to be in a circumstance around a lot of people with what, but I'll tell you how I ended up, you know, getting myself quickly. I, it took me nine months to be a millionaire out of law school. It took me two weeks to be a millionaire out of bankruptcy. And what I did is I reverse engineered the people I wanted to meet and it had nothing to do with my job and the relationships I currently had. I actually made new relationships uh, by going to a charitable gala with all these celebrities, athletes, entertainers, but they're also, I did research, there were certain high net wealth individuals there. And yeah, I used people to introduce me to them, but I literally straight out went there with an objective of asking for help. And if you're going to take another takeaway, you know, for me, radical humility is defined not just by being of service or of value, because even when I was lost in that crazy partying world of mine, that multimillionaire world, which was tons of fun, I was very generous. I was just giving for the wrong reasons, right? I, I wanted something back. But now, you know, specifically, I learned it's more important to ask, do you know anyone that could help me with what? And so that's what I did. Try to find people that knew things uh, that they wanted to have with big budgets and then go find where it's over oversold and buy them and uh, leveraging that. And I just became a buyer and a seller and a broker. And uh, that's where I made my money. 
I think, and I'm so glad you brought that up because there was a lot of, a lot of people we've had on the show so far have talked about asking for help. And I think it's a lot of things that, especially people in our age group in their early twenties, mid twenties, um, they're almost afraid to do. And I don't know if it kind of correlates with that, with what you were saying about how you kind of caught up in the image or what people might think, or, you know, how you go about things. But um, I think him and I have done a very good job, especially in the last year or so, just kind of reflecting on each other. And now we live together with roommates, Um, just kind of like, worrying about us and not so much focusing on the, who we're trying to impress and surrounding ourselves with the right people and things like that. And I'm so glad you brought that up because asking for help and reaching out and communicating with people is such a big thing too. And, and I, I can't stress enough when we try and, and help our friends out with that. Yeah. And the world's changing, right? Like it's, I, I was afraid to ask. I didn't ask until I learned to ask in my late thirties. Yeah. Uh, but when I was young, when you asked for help, you know, most people that could help me didn't know many people. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you knew your card game, your golf game, your church group, your men's group, your ladies group, you know, your brownie core, you know, something like that. Look, you guys know better than me. I mean, I'm just an anomaly being over 50 with such a big following. But your guys' network, on average, a thousand people, yeah. right? Each one of you guys. So if you're asking in person on the phone, email, like I still check. I'm 52 years old. I will check my send box tonight before I go to my wind down routine. I'll check my send box to see how many asks are in there because I know it's just a numbers game, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm literally, Hey, do you know anybody that can help me? I do a free training on Fridays to empower the world to be happy. It's 11 AM. Please invite Here's the registry. I check to see how many times I do it and how many times I miss. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. I will even, here's a great lesson. You guys, 20 years from now, make sure you email me or whatever form that we communicate. I'm going to give you advice that nobody knows whatever it is you want. You guys get spam, I assume, still, right? Your filter still lets some of it through. I'll go into my jump box and in my email. Anybody that spams me, I have a cut and paste email and ask. (laughs) I do. And one out of 10 people (laughs) are interested. Like literally free leads. Like that's what, like I'm, I'm one of the few guys that like spam because I get a, a 10% turnaround on free leads. Yeah, the numbers game. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. You want to go? Um, no, I forgot what I was. So I, I was, I, we, we've talked on the phone before for a few minutes and I, I do eventually want to do, um, I think it's the group one, the, the one. Uh, well, the I, one yeah, I, I do private group coaching. Yeah, uh, I do want to do that. I, I, I just right now financially, I'm trying to get everything settled yeah. and I definitely want to do it. But um, what would your biggest advice be? And I, I, I've seen some of your clips and things on it about me personally. Like I think I, I told you, I'm not sure if you remember, but I'm trying to get into the sports industry. I'm trying to, find my way. And, you know, I work for one of the Vayner companies. I keep in touch with AJ pretty regularly. And right now with the sports industry, it's a little um, tough. And, and we had a whole conversation. Now you don't, you don't want to be working for CAA right now, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> my, one, my one buddy signed to them. Actually, a couple of my buddies are signed. That's there. okay. You can sign with them. They're great. <laughs> you don't want to work there right now. That's for sure. You want to get paid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, then yeah, yeah, like, like I keep the communication with AJ. I've met with Gary before about it. Um, ultimately like similar to you, like sports has always been my passion, but I've always been more attracted to the business aspect of it. So how would you give someone like myself and there's plenty of us other, like others like us out there who are young, 20 year olds, 24 year olds, 25, mid, even late twenties, they want to change career paths. How would you go about, uh, what's the steps you would take to do that? For me, I'd focus in on my skills 
that are aligned with the backdrop of the sports industry that I, or sports business or sports agentry, whatever it is, whatever skill it is that's aligned, synergistic to what I want to do. And I develop those and I'd be willing to start where I don't want to be and angle towards where I do want to be and be open to being somewhere else. I'll repeat that. You want to start somewhere that you don't want to be angle towards what you, where you want to be, but be open to being somewhere better or somewhere different. And that's how my career went. That's how most of the people that have ended up uh, in these extraordinary positions that everybody you know looks at and say, oh, I'd love to do that. I will tell you, I have one of the greatest jobs in sports and sports is a backdrop to what I do. And it's still one of the greatest jobs in sports. And most of my sports marketing side of what I was doing you know, years ago was specific to large gatherings big hospitality events that don't even exist. And I, my business has changed and evolved so much within the context of sports. I forgot that, you know, uh, football starts today. (laughs) I literally, and I love sports. Um, So really focusing on the skills, the knowledge that you want that are aligned with the industry business unit, what you think you want to start, be open to moving and angling towards what you want, but also be open to something better and you'll get there. The one thing that I want to tell everyone, no matter what you want to do, really develop a desire that you must be what you can be. In every aspect of your life, learn to to literally find the light, love, and lesson. Enjoy the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of your own potential. At your age, if I would have understood the power of consistency, exponential growth and acceleration, the power of doing things, if somebody just would have told me, Dave, two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday, my whole life would have changed because I would have received this compound interest of positivity, of acceleration, of manifestation, all these cool things that'll take you a little bit time to evolve. You know, it's passion, purpose, persistence combined with patience doesn't make sense, especially when you're 20 something, right? Patience is not inherent in being in 20 something, which is cool. So I try to teach people, look, I want you to be a 20 something ferocious, but I want you to be a Buddha, right? I want you to be a ferocious Buddha. I want you to learn not to accelerate in the wrong trajectory, create void shortages and obstacles for yourself. I want you to harness all of that powerful will that you have and energy into a very clear trajectory, one in which is going to get you to where you want to be in a lot faster, more accurate and rapid manner. And, you know, Gary's one of those guys and AJ, both friends of mine that are ferocious Buddhas. You know, you know how efficient, effective, and statistically successful they are, but yet, you know, they they allow things. They're, they both have this calming energy about them uh, that, you know, you may not see all of them time on the video with Gary, but he, he has a Buddha in him, and uh, and he will he will show you some old school, old soul wisdom. Absolutely. Preaches patience. He does. And, that's, and, he, and he practices it. He yeah. practices it. I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you look at his stories, especially, I mean, it took him even into his thirties where a lot of kids like our age, they kind of freak out by 25. I'm not doing this, or they set like expectations for themselves and, and they don't hit those goals or whatever that they feel like they didn't succeed or they feel like they're losing time, which is not the right way to look at it. So. Yeah, have, you, have you heard my uh, lily pad, pad analogy for you guys? Cause it's crucial when you're 20. Have you guys heard this story? I'm not sure about it. It'll change change your perspective. So I'll tell you why, you know, 20-somethings don't succeed. It's because 99% of them quit before they're 25% of the way there. And the reason that 99% of them quit before they're 25%, and by the way, another 99% of the 1% quit before they're 50% of the way there. 
even though they're on their way there, they don't know it. And I'll tell you why. So if I take what you want in your career and I tell you it's going to take you 20 years Mm -hmm. and every year you're going to get twice as close, it's going to double. So in essence, you're a lily pad on a lily pond. Every year you're going to double in size. And after 20 years, you're going to cover the whole pond. You'll be 100% of the way there. The problem is most 20-something-year-olds and 30-something-year-olds and 50-something-year-olds, I asked them, when do you expect to be halfway there? They would tell me 10 years. But what happens is that's not the way it happens. It takes 19 years to get to halfway there, right? It's not until the last year does it double and you get all the way there. And then if you stick to it, it doubles again and you're twice as far, right? Well, here's the thing. Like I told you, 99% of the people, why do they quit by 25%? Because it takes them 18 years and they're anticipating being 25% of the way there in five years. So when they get to five years, they can't see the acceleration and growth, the compound interest, the skills, knowledge, and desire that's all aggregating upon itself, the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious continuum that's working in your favor, all the relationships, all the circumstances, everything keeps building and building so you can be accepted successful. That's why I teach people to enjoy that process, that consistent and be ferocious in it. Consistency takes ferociousness. Persistence takes ferociousness, but pursue your potential. Allow it to happen like a Buddha. Be patient and think of things in segmentation. Now, it may not take 20 full years. You know, the first year may be one, 11 months, it may be two, 10 months, it may be four. You will get there, though, if you keep angling towards what you want and expect even something better. Yeah, love that. Yeah. So, all right, David, I I don't want to keep you for too long. I know you're a busy guy. So uh, I want to thank you for coming on and giving us all this free knowledge and to all of our listeners too. And one uh, more question. I see sure, the, the Cavs hat in the background. You're uh, you're from Akron, Ohio. Any was, stories of LeBron James or bumping into Yeah, him? man, I was, how about this for luck? That's why I thought I was destined, I still may be, to be the commissioner of the NBA because I was actually born in the same hospital as LeBron James and Steph Curry. And Steph Curry in Akron, Ohio, and grew up literally around the block from where uh, LeBron grew up. Obviously, I didn't get all of that uh, natural skill. That they <laughs> Even though I was in the same hospital, maybe they were switched at birth. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love I love Swenson's. A big shout out to my favorite hamburger hotspot. Swenson's hamburger is a dri- uh, drive up. It's awesome. And uh, remember, you guys, uh, be kind. You know, I know it sounds silly. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. If you're ever in question and not feeling good, just go do something good. I promise you'll feel good and your life will get better. If you need any help, I'm here for both of you. Love it that you guys come to my free trainings on Friday. Bring your friends, family, associates. Thank you so much for the time. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. Awesome, man. Take care, you guys. All right, let's talk to you soon. The blessings come down When the praises go up The blessings come down It seems like blessings keep falling in my lap It seems like blessings keep falling in my lap I don't make songs for free, I make them for freedom Don't believe in kings, believe in the Thank you for listening to Believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E 
AV on YouTube.